day, folk. It is Nick Spoor Engel speaking, and today we are releasing episode three of the Locked Into God series, reading out of Robert's Leoden, God's General's Missionaries, particularly and specifically about David Brainerd, a wonderful man of God who persevered through tremendous challenges, um, and uh, hence we're calling it Locked Into God because he was able to really lock into God even though he was locked down and bogged down and he went through all sorts of um, challenges, physical, mental, spiritual, um, and he just pushed through and his love for love for God really brought him through as he locked himself into God as it were and kept his eyes fixed. So he's a great encouragement for us. And I'm reading in Robert Leardon's book, God's Generals, on page 62. The next heading is entitled The Rigors of Yale University. So David Brainerd had just um, accepted salvation and received salvation by grace um, through faith. And so he had now really entered into a personal relationship with the Lord. The next section. Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, became Brainerd's home for the next three years. In 18th century New England, it was difficult to enter Christian ministry unless you received a degree from Harvard or Yale and were licensed to preach by the Congregational Church. So with both excitement and anxiety, David entered his freshman year in September 1739, just two months after his personal conversion. At 21, David was older and more serious than his frivolous classmates, who didn't seem focused on following Jesus. Because he was such an intense young man, he promptly immersed himself in his studies, gradually sliding into his bad habits of working too hard just to prove he was worthy of God's love. So David has now just given his life to Christ and accepted salvation through grace and now he is endeavoring to earn his salvation it seems again. After a year of rigorous study with little rest, Brainerd became physically weak and disoriented. One night in a coughing fit he was alarmed to find that he had coughed up blood. It isn't serious, assured his tutor. You just need to go home for a few weeks' rest. Brainerd left Yale in August, and a few weeks became a few months as he slowly recovered. When he regained his strength, he walked in the meadows of his farm and surrendered his heart once again to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He wrote in October, I again found the assistance of the Holy Spirit, both morning and night, and life and comfort in God the whole day. I enjoyed a sweet and precious communion with God, wherein my soul enjoyed unspeakable comfort. During these same days, as God was renewing David's soul, the Holy Spirit was blowing revival winds across New England through the campus of Yale University. David returned to Yale just as the Holy Spirit began a powerful move across the English-speaking world. 
throughout England, Scotland, Wales and the American colonies. The Great Awakening swept through New England with a renewed emphasis on the conviction of sin and a new birth experience based on the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. It was a wake-up call to the staunch Puritan church which had begun to emphasize outward works and family connections for church membership instead of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this has happened so often throughout history and even today where we've moved to an outward form of things and moved away from the genuine, authentic, personal relationship with Jesus and humility also. The most famous of the Great Awakening preachers, Jonathan Edwards of Massachusetts, delivered messages on repentance and faith in Christ each week in his church services. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, people from the congregation would fall to their knees, crying out from conviction, What must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16 verse 30. That Acts 16.30 passage is where the prison warder wakes up and is about to kill himself because God has shaken the prison doors and they've opened and he thinks the prisoners have fled away. And he drew his sword, was about to kill himself. Verse 28 says, Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here saying, obviously, that all the prisoners are still there. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. This is the prison warder. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the power of God was moving. Back to the Leiden book. George Whitfield, a 26-year-old evangelist from England, was traveling throughout Massachusetts and Connecticut preaching a fiery message of God's justice and mercy. And over, he, over and over he proclaimed the new birth from Jesus' words to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 3. Just one of Whitfield's open air revivals held in a field outside Boston attracted 30,000 people. No loudspeakers, nothing like that. 30,000. Everywhere he preached, the crowds responded with overwhelming emotion. Tears, cries of repentance and renewed love for Jesus Christ. Thousands of colonists came to new birth through these messages. On October the 27th, 1740, Whitfield preached to the Yale students, and the power of the Holy Spirit blazed through the chapel, drawing the students to their knees and transforming the irreverent young man, young men into on-fire Christian disciples. The Great Awakening had arrived at Yale. David Brainerd's faith 
was ignited. Students who once were indifferent to the gospel flocked to the Bible studies that Brain had organized. They met in groups of four or five and spoke freely of this new power of the Holy Spirit that was moving among them and bringing repentance and new life in Christ. Raging opposition to the revival. When the Spirit of God moves, Satan always responds with controversy and disruption. Evil will always oppose the power of God. Unfortunately, the opposition often comes from Christian leaders who are afraid of a fresh move of God's Spirit. As the Great Awakening swept through New England, the revival message split people within both the Congregational and Presbyterian churches. In each denomination, there were supporters of the Awakening called New Lights or New Side and opponents called Old Lights or Old Side. The administrators of Yale University were in raging opposition to the revival. They disapproved of Whitfield and other revivalists' teachings. The meetings are pure emotionalism, they charged. They strayed too far from the Puritan doctrine. They accused the zealous Yale students of rejecting the school's biblical teachings to follow a new gospel. The students were outraged. Many of them accused the opposing Yale administrators of not being true believers and of rejecting the Spirit of God. The controversy came to a head when Yale's rector, Reverend Thomas Clapp, pronounced an edict. Any student who criticizes the professors or administration or questioned their Christian faith because of the Great Awakening is subject to expulsion. The students were also forbidden to attend Whitfield meetings or to join in the revival in any way. In spite of the threat, Brainerd and, and many fellow students continued to meet daily for prayer and occasionally snuck out to hear the awakening evangelists preach in the open countryside. One night in the dormitory, while discussing the day's events, a student questioned Brainerd about Mr. Chauncey's Whittlesey a Yale tutor whose prayers were often stilted and severe. Brainerd's comment concerning Whittlesey came quick. He has no more grace than this chair. The freshman student overheard and immediately reported Brainerd's remark. Thomas Clapp declared the comment forbidden criticism of a faculty member and cause for immediate expulsion. Unless Brainerd made an open apology to the entire student body in the college hall. Brainerd refused. He believed the comment was acceptable because it was made in private. In his youthful enthusiasm or indiscreet zeal, as he later called it, he was convinced that the rector would eventually agree with him. His refusal to apologize became a decision that he regretted for the rest of his life. As a result, in the winter of 1742, he was expelled from Yale. 
Wow. I think this is a great example. It shows we need to temper our faith with wisdom and and sensitivity as well. I think many of us in our youthful zeal have <laughs> said things that we've regretted, myself included. Thank God for His mercy and grace. We now come to the next section in the Leiden book, entitled Blazing New Lights. David was shocked and in a state of mourning. His appeals to be reinstated were soundly rejected. Heartbroken, he packed his belongings and left Yale. His dreams of ministry crushed. Since he couldn't preach without the Yale degree and a congregational license, he thought all possibilities for ministry in New England had been destroyed. Where would he go next? In deep melancholy, Brainerd traveled from New Haven to Ripton, Connecticut, just 10 miles from the college. Still longing to serve the Lord, he continued his ministry studies with Reverend Jedediah Mills, a minister who had been stirred by the Great Awakening and became a New Lights pastor. Several congregational ministers had joined the revival and formed their own ministerial association as New Lights. In fellowship with these men of God, David could continue his biblical studies and preach the gospel. Daily, Brainerd poured out his heart in his diary, expressing overwhelming regret for his stubbornness and frustration over the college's handling of the whole situation. Some days he sensed God's assurance that things would be well. On April 12, 1742, he wrote, This morning the Lord was pleased to lift up the light of His countenance upon me in secret prayer and made the season very precious to my soul. And although I had been depressed of late, respecting my hopes of future serviceableness in the cause of God, yet now I had much encouragement respecting that matter. I felt exceedingly calm and quite resigned to God, respecting my future employment, when and where He pleased. Other days his heart was tortured by depression and feelings of his own worthlessness. I think I never felt so much of the cursed pride of my heart as well as the stubbornness of my will before. Oh dreadful, what a vile wretch I am. Oh that God would humble me in the dust. I felt myself such a sinner all day that I scarce had any comfort. Oh when shall I be delivered from the body of this death? Paul wrote that as well. During these days, Brainerd was locked in the painful depression he had suffered since childhood. He was also a victim of the legalism of the time, desperately trying to fulfill other men's expectations for his life. Brainerd spent a long time trying to win back something that he should have just left to God, 
Once the doors of Yale had been closed, he should have rested in the direction the Lord was leading him in his ministry. Thank God that in the body of Christ today we realize that it is not the university or seminary degree that gives credibility to our ministry, but the fruit that we bear empowered by the Spirit of God. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Matthew 7 verse 17 As David sought God's comfort, his lifetime commitment to secret prayer and fasting was established. Feeling God's peace in the outdoors, he took long walks in prayer, offering his heart and soul to Christ's service. I set apart this day for fasting and prayer to God for His grace, especially to prepare me for the work of the ministry, to give me divine aid and direction in my preparations for that great work, and in His own time to send me into His harvest. We've now come to the end of a section in Robert Leardon's book, God's Generals, The Missionaries, about David Brainerd. Um, and I love what Brainerd writes there about the Holy Spirit and us um, in the body of Christ knowing that the, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us and we need the Holy Spirit so, so desperately. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you said you will give us another helper, the Holy Spirit, from, another helper from the Father. Lord, John the Baptist said, I baptize in water, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, Lord, we need you. We need your power. It's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. So touch each one of us, Lord. Touch each listener, and we give ourselves to you. Empower us and, and, and give us your strength, Lord. We surrender to you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thank you for listening and God bless you. Um, next time we will look at um, the next section, which is reaching the unreached, which is very close to my heart because I have a passion for the unreached. Those that have never heard about Jesus, whom he loved so much and he died for. God bless you, folk, and goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.